welcome to another episode of the Mash Those Buttons Mashcast. I'm Jarrett, and I'm here with Nick Zelenkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? And Joel Couture. Fuck new RoboCop. Fuck that piece of shit. That thing is terrible. Unspeakable. I don't want to talk about it. Why did I bring it up? I'm sorry, guys. All right. We were talking about new RoboCop <laughs> before we started, and I'm still mad talk- about it. I don't want to talk about it, but now I'm going to talk about it. Go ahead, Joel. No, I, I do want to talk about it. That... <laughs> Okay, let's. That looks like a budget Batman, okay, or like like a Hong Kong knockoff Iron Man. Like I, I can't even describe what about it. No, wait, I can because it's those fucking hands. Why does he have human hands? I don't know why this drives me so crazy. It just does. Like I can't look at those fucking hands. Like he's supposed to be a goddamn robot. Yeah, he doesn't look like a robot. Yeah, well, look not, at the. He's not just a robot. He's also part cop. That's why he's he's not just Robo. He's Robo Cop. Are and we leading in? Are we leading no. into a trailer here, Nick? No, you sound but like you work for them. Yeah, <laughs> he's like he's not just robot; he's also part cop. Like, did, Look, you, just, if, did you just say the tagline to argue with the, me? If they want to send me tickets to see the movie for free, I won't stop them. I would but... burn. <laughs> I say that, but I'll probably end up watching the. He's fucking... supposed to be a robot cop, the the one that Detroit needs, and that's not some you know, that's not this. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not this. Detroit needs something made out of metal, not plastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To, to be fair, Detroit had more money back in the '80s than they do now, so this is probably the best RoboCop they could afford. <laughs> oh, that's mean. We might have fans in Detroit. We do. We're have sorry, fans you're in getting Detroit, a shit RoboCop. Actually. Yeah, this this actually the movie better be in Detroit. I, I don't know if it's still in Detroit or not. But can we, we stop as- talking about RoboCop now and start talking about video games, please? Please stop me before I talk again. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is MASHCAST number 113. Uh, and last week we omitted the, uh, the What You've Been Playing section simply because we just didn't have time. And I, and I kind of liked it. Uh, well, <laughs> I think it gave, it gave us more time to, to, delve into, uh, to delve deeper into the topic. So I think we're going to scrape that for now, at least for the next couple MASHCASTs, see how it goes. And uh, we're just going to head right into the topics. You guys okay with that? Pow. Because too bad if you're not. Oh. Uh, Joel is sassy. <laughs> Took a week off. Got a lot of extra anger, apparently. <laughs> you know, uh, you know I, I just want to say it's funny that you make this decision and I've been playing more stuff lately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're proud of you. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be a whole podcast, Nick. It's going to be magical. It's going to have to be. Exactly. Nick's going to like blow your minds. Well, it's going to be wild. Play. It's like, oh man, I played this game called Half-Life 2. Yep. You should <laughs> see this shit. I don't, Crazy I don't, things happen there. Half, I have it on good authority. Half-Life 2 is not actually a game. Uh, uh, Shots fired. There we go. Anyway, yeah. let's uh, go from one iconic game to another. Let's talk about Metal Gear Solid. Specifically, Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes. Uh, now... Ground Zeroes was one of the reasons I was going to pick up a PS4 in March, or at least try to. I'm not sure how good the availability is going to be. However, recently some news came out saying that you'll be able to play Ground Zeroes through and through uh, within two hours. Oh, maybe maybe a little over two hours. And considering how how Kojima loves cutscenes. Yeah, the gameplay is probably going to be like an hour and some change, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So, like, um, yeah, like, that, that raised uh, 
that raised some concerns. Uh, but Kojima's uh, response to that was that the, the concerns are trumped up. He's, you know, he says, our journey and dear Esther long. And then he says, yet they are masterpieces of video game and literature. And, uh, yeah, to my, to, to my response to that is just no. No, like, it's not, it's not the same thing. You don't make a journey. You don't make a dear Esther. You make fucking Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's, it's a totally different story. First of all, I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows I fucking hated Journey. I really do not like that game. Um, <laughs> because it didn't feel like a game to me. Uh, for several reasons, and we're not going to go backtrack through that whole thing. We're going to go back like a year and some change. Now, did that come out in the beginning of 2013? Or was that I like think so. 2012? That was 2012. Was it was it? like tw- beginning of 2012? Yeah. Yeah, like I, I felt cheated out of my money. I did. Like I, I felt cheated out of my money because I, I felt like I accomplished nothing. <laughs> Took a long walk. Yeah, pretty much. That was about <laughs> it. And then... Uh, I think I told the story about that dumbass I was on the mountain with, the, the the last mountain with, and he like looked at me and he jumps off the mountain and I'm like, fuck you, I'm going up. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, they, uh, Ground Zero is going to cost somewhere between 20 to 40 bucks, uh, depending on what platform you get it on. And that's for a two hour game that you know you're not going to get a full two hours worth of gameplay out of that for 20 bucks i'm thinking that's that's not that's not gonna cut it and then you have you know the phantom pain coming out which is gonna be you know 60 bucks you know so you're paying 80 bucks for a game like for for a full game yeah it seems like a really odd decision and i mean from the sounds of what he's saying about it he's not arguing that it's no it's not longer than two hours he's not saying it's longer than two hours he's saying yeah it is but that's okay I'm like, uh, I don't think it is. Yeah. It's exactly like you're saying. Like, uh, It's definitely not two hours of gameplay. If it's two hours of gameplay, it wouldn't have any problem here. I mean, I could plow through most Metal Gears pretty quick with, while skipping cutscenes, if that's what they mean. Right. But just, I don't know, this seems unacceptably short. Like, what, what the hell? What's the point? This sounds like a tech demo if it's two hours long or like a, a, an excessive demo. Yeah. Like like, said- like, I, I don't know what they're shooting for with this. Yeah, especially if they're leaning closer to the thirty or forty dollar range. Exactly, like that a thirty four a thirty forty dollar game better at least be five hours, at least. But like he says, I want people to celebrate the new Metal Gear or new MGS like we used to. Yeah, those Metal Gears were like you know pretty fucking long. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a lot of game out of those. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> he was less chatty. Well, less chatty for him. Yeah, what's up, Nick? Well, no, I just want to say I feel like this is the same discussion we had to a degree over the uh, the Bioshock DLC. What is it? Uh, uh, buried, buried Under Sea? Burial at Sea. Bur- burial at Sea, yes. Um, and that was, again, that was two hours of content for $15, and everybody was pissed that you know they weren't getting more for their money. And now it's kind of the same thing. It's a little more expensive, but we're just getting the DLC ahead of the game. So, oh my God, Nick, you're right. You are right. We are getting a DLC. <laughs> They're selling it on a disc. This is what. 
Pre-game <laughs> DLC. That is the topic of this podcast. Robocop, why aren't you stopping these crooked DLC policies? <laughs> <laughs> Should we could have we could ask Robocop why aren't you doing more for like every topic today? <laughs> yeah, clearly I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but I mean it's I mean it's it's fundamentally it's just the argument was basically like for that fifteen dollars you can get so much more in so many other ways of spending it that fifteen dollars for two hour for two hours of gameplay is just a terrible investment mm-hmm. and here to consider that you may wind up paying as much as forty dollars that's twenty dollars an hour there are people that don't make that much yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'm one of them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah dude like the i would be actually at this point i'm more inclined to just wait it out and get the collectors you know the collection that has both of them together yeah. The inevitable collection for 60 bucks. Oh, God, yeah. You'll buy that anyway, though. <laughs> yeah, shut up. <laughs> Just don't don't sass me for my three or four copies of Metal Gear, every Metal Gear that are in the house, okay? I'm not, I'm not I'm a reasonable you. person who doesn't make bad decisions. I'm not ever. sassing you. I'm just saying that we're here because we care about you and we need to have a discussion about your Metal Gear buying habits. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. It's <laughs> fine having four copies of Metal Gear Solid 3. There's a perfectly good reason. Actually, that is, that is perfectly fine. I endorse that. That Metal Gear Solid three four copies sounds about right. So really, I'm the one that has the problem because I don't I don't have any copies of Metal Gear. Yes, yes. You can't have any of mine. They're all different. Well, you need yours. They're all special. Exactly. They're all special in their own way. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm a huge Metal Gear fan. Huge Mm -hmm. Metal Gear fan, and I'm not really liking this. Yeah, we like Metal Gear as a complete package. Like when I heard they were splitting the game up in the first place, I'm like, really? Are you Mm -hmm. fucking serious? You know, yeah. like, we want the complete Metal Gear package, because Metal Gear is definitely one of those games where it's like, I'm playing it, and I'm not stopping. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Whereas now they're forcing me to stop, like, something's obviously going to happen and be a cliffhanger at the end of Ground Zeroes. Yeah, and it's going to feel like, just like a stupid demo. It's going to end on a cliffhanger, like, why don't you buy the real one, you chump? Yeah. And it's going to make I, me really angry. When does Phantom Pain actually come out? Do they announce it? I forget. I'm not sure. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not very uh, excited. Oh, it's right. And Ground Zeroes. Oh, this is Ground Zeroes. March. Okay. Yeah, Ground Zeroes is March 18th. I knew that. It was gonna be one of my reasons for getting a PS4, but now it's two hours long. I'm like, eh, I could hold off a bit. Mm-hmm. What I and- find, what what I find interesting is that Kojima actually called Ground Zeroes a tutorial for Phantom Pain. And so, like, we all know, like, the first few hours of any game tend to be, like, tutorial, even for sequels, because you always have new people coming in. So I'm a little surprised that, like, they would just completely split that out separately and make you pay up to $40 for it. (laughs) Yeah, that said, that actually, I I wasn't a fan of that either. Now, I understand that the system's going to be different. It's going to be new. Uh, I know they're trying to make it more open world. Um, And Kiefer Sutherland's the fucking voice yeah, uh, this whole th- this whole thing's really turning into a mess for me at this point. It is like uh, I thought the whole David Hater uh, Hater thing not being Snake was like kind of like a joke, and they were gonna pull something out of it, you know, mm-hmm. a little later. Like you know, oh wait, there's a second Snake now. That's the Snake you were playing. It wasn't really Snake. Well, he wasn't mm-hmm. really Big Boss. And he's just a clone and blah blah blah. So he has a different voice. But it doesn't <laughs> look like that's happening. I really yeah. thought they were gonna pull some crazy shit out that I was gonna enjoy, but 
I don't know. David Hay, he just may be that great of an actor that he's not letting on to it, but it does not seem like he's in this game at all. Yeah, he has been silent on Twitter and, like, downright depressed-sounding about it anytime anyone brings it up. So, like, if if he is pretending so that he can surprise the shit out of us all, it's he's good job, buddy. Good fucking job. Because <laughs> yeah. you fooled me. Oh, yeah. Kojima's just crazy enough to pull him, though, because... Get it together, Kojima. Come on. Yeah. Man, I, to be honest with you, I kind of didn't want, didn't want them to make another Metal Gear. I thought Metal Gear Solid 4 was a, great, was a good ending. It was. It wrapped yeah. everything up pretty nicely. Yeah, it wrapped everything pretty nicely. And um, I don't know. Like, I guess like, a prequel, like now, having a prequel now feels a bit different because you know the ending. Like, you know, you know how everything ends. Um, I mean,. The like you know the Peace Walker and Portable Ops was a little different because I mean you understand what was happening or what happened in that time period and now that was kind of you just playing through it you know with Peace Walker and uh, Portable Ops but you know now with this like you know well, what else is gonna happen what new thing are they gonna bring up now so I don't know I'm just curious but I'm not I don't know I'm not digging this whole two hour thing. No, I'm really not seeing why we're even bothering with this. Like, I'm just really confused. But, like, well, a lot of the decisions lately, it seems to be. Like, this just seems to be another bad decision in line with others. Yeah. Go ahead, Nick. No, I just want to point out that they are saying it's the core story campaign that takes two hours. There's no mention of any side quests or anything, so it's possible there may be more content. Than just the two hours. It, it, I would. Um, but, I thought that originally, but just from what he's saying, like he his he's making comparison to other shorter games. Like he's not arguing that theirs isn't short. He's saying that short games are okay. So I think he's he is like fessing up to the fact that yes, it is short. Well, well, yeah, but well, I mean, even I mean, if if let's say there's an hour of side quests, I mean, you're still talking a three hour game. It's not, and especially for, for I mean, how long do Metal Gears tend to go on for? I mean, that's. You know they're 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 not short long games. enough. Exactly, exactly. So I mean, this is, you know, I mean, there might you know it might it might not quite be you know twenty dollars an hour we're talking about here, but it's not. It's still it, it you know even I mean even if you get a ten dollar game or a ten hour game for sixty bucks, you know that's it's, it's still a better ratio of of uh, you know money to time than this. Yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, it could be that when it comes out, somebody plays it, but, oh, my God, this thing is amazing. You have to play it. And then I might change my mind. Like I said, I am a huge Metal Gear fan, but as it stands right now, I am not very happy. My- yeah, not either, but I'm a stupid moron. I know I'll buy it. <laughs> I'll see my- it on the shelf there, taunting me. I'm like, <sighs> at least if I get really mad about it, this is the cheaper version. Mm. True. <laughs> mm. You keep. I mean, I'm not really looking forward to hearing Keith or Seville and his snake. I'm not either. I'm not either. Just mute it and play with the subtitles. No, because I want to hear Snake's voice. Yeah, I want to hear David Hayter <laughs> talk to me all the time. Well, uh, for 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 the uh, for the sixty dollars you would normally spend, pay forty dollars to hire David Hayter, and then twenty dollars for the game. Interesting. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he works for that cheap. <laughs> Maybe I should just buy him a hoagie, and he'll just—that'll be his payment. Yeah, he'll come hang out. You know, he's like, "Oh, you got food, dude! Oh my god, thank you so much." 
You don't mind if I crash in your couch for the night? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you got like laundry I could do for you? You know, yeah. like a job? Uh, any hot he's... pockets here? <laughs> got any hot pockets? <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm crazy for hot pockets. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's how it works, Nick. We'll try. Yeah, but I guess we'll see about that. I'm a little concerned, but well, whatever. I'll I'll give it a chance sometime, but it's definitely not pressing me to get a PS4 at this point. Noob. So, uh, but let's move on to the next topic. This has been some new rumors coming uh, from from Microsoft regarding the Xbox. Uh, Nick, why don't you run us through those? The Microsoft rumors? Yeah. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, so um, I guess what happened was that uh, I think it was on uh, VG, uh, let's see, on VG247, they had some reports uh, that the Xbox One would be launching with a cheaper edition uh, sometime in 2014. Uh, it would not have a, uh, a disk drive, uh, and that would allow it to be $100 cheaper. Uh, so that, uh, you know, this way, I guess it, it'll position them a little bit better to, uh, attack the, uh, the PlayStation 4 as it were. Um, and then I think there were some, also some other rumors over on NeoJaff, uh, I believe, uh, that featured, um, uh, allegedly there's a Halo 2 anniversary coming on November 11th. Uh, Fable, Ale- Fable Legends will release in the summer of 2015, uh, and also Forza Horizon, uh, should be dropping this fall. Um, and all of these rumors are coming from this person known as NT Colonel, um, who uh, Microsoft apparently, um, without really claiming that these rumors are true or false, although I guess one of the other rumors that he, he mentioned was that there would be a, uh, a system update for the Xbox One coming in March, and that has been confirmed by The Verge. Um, so at least one of, the, one of the rumors that this guy put out there was correct. And Microsoft is actively trying to track this guy down um, I guess to just ask him for his phone number so they can just talk, <laughs> but uh, but uh, they just want to have nachos and watch. yeah, exactly. They want to invite <laughs> oh, yeah. him over for a hot pocket <laughs> <laughs> because maybe maybe it is David Hater and we don't know that. Um, <laughs> no, it is but, David uh, Hater. Microsoft apparently, I guess enough of these rumors are, are close to the the vest that Microsoft is concerned they've got a serious leak on their hands because I'm guessing they didn't want all this information out so. Uh, there's a little, yeah, there's a little bit of intrigue going on around these rumors and, uh, yeah, maybe we will be seeing another Xbox, uh, an Xbox one sooner than we thought. Yeah. The fact that they're, they're actively looking for this person and to take legal action, uh, makes, makes it seem more believable that this stuff is real. And if it is, I mean, Microsoft has had enough bad press, but if people find out, or even if if people just think that a new Xbox is going to come out cheaper. Uh, later on this year, then that's gonna hurt Xbox One sales. It really is. I don't want to say Xbox One sales are hurting now, but they're definitely lagging behind the PS4. That's for sure. Well, Pactor um, made a comment, uh, basically saying that uh, if the rumor is true regarding the X- the Xbox One, it is one of the dumbest ideas of all time. Um, and he, his, his concern was basically that, you know, like Microsoft would be like, you know, pissing all over the people that came out and supported them at launch by saying like, here's a slightly better console for a little bit less. Um, 
And the thing is, though, like, he's not wrong. That would be kind of dumb for them to do that. But pretty much everything we've seen Microsoft do with the Xbox One has been to do say, say one thing or start off in one direction and then immediately turn around and go the other way. So for them to release a console and then less than a year later release a, you know, a different version of the console at a lower price point, that fits in their overall, their overall methodology of just not doing the right thing. Well, I mean, the thing about... I think a lot of people realized that the 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 Microsoft was going to lower the price of the Xbox One pretty soon, especially with them being a hundred dollars more than the PS4. Like you know, it's not like the them and the PS4 came out at the same price, and you know, three, two, three years from now they're going to down the price. A lot of people knew that Microsoft was going to have to bring down the price to compete with the PS4, especially when the PS4 started stomping them in in terms of sales. Um, so I don't think that's going to be as hurtful. Like the people who wanted an Xbox One. They got it. They got the Xbox One. And they, they're Xbox fanboys, and they love it, and that's that's what they want. They won't care that they spent an extra hundred bucks. Um, but the, 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 the problem is, <laughs> with this, they're removing the wrong thing. They need yeah. to get rid of the damn Kinect. Yeah, like, they, you get rid of not... the Kinect, you know how many people will use that shit? Like, you know how many people will buy it? Like, you give me a discless Xbox Live, uh, Xbox One, right? With a Connect, I still don't have a place to put the Connect. Still no place. My 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 uh, soundbar has not disappeared. I can't put my soundbar in the space where the disc went before. You know, not to mention they were weren't they catching flack for you know having a disc? You know, the idea of pushing out a discless system before. Yeah, that was one of the that, things I was super mad about. Yeah, it's too I, too early, dude. Too soon, dude. Yeah, too, too soon. soon. <laughs> no, but those, but those those concerns though only arose when that was what was expected to be the only edition of the Xbox One. You can have it as an alternate version if you're saying like, okay, every you know everything that you can get with your disc, you can still get that online. And if you are in a situation where you need to have a disc-based system, well, you're paying the extra hundred dollars for it, but it's still there for you. But here's this other, you know, it, it's an option. It's not. It's not a requirement, and I think it's if, not they present a requirement. It, if they yeah. present it in that way, that you know, fundamentally, that's actually kind of sort of the bridge to the next generation of games or gaming systems that, that we really need is to you know for this generation to have sort of two consoles next to each other, like you can get the drive or you can't, because next time next time we do this, there's not going to be a drive, or you know, it'll, it's it's you know because that was the one thing like you were saying too soon. That's how we kind of make it not too soon is by sort of slowly introducing it in so people can get used to it. Oh, that's, I mean, I, I, I do believe that that is eventually the future, you know, console, like, you know, disc-based games will be a thing of the past in the future. However, right now, it almost feels like a penalty. Like, okay, well, I want an Xbox One, but I want to be able to buy my game, you know, get buy a disc-based game so I can share with my friends easily, and I have to pay $100 extra for that privilege. You know what I'm saying? I have to pay $100 extra for that privilege. They need to give have a connectless version, but they don't want to do that because, and this this has not changed. They've only shifted focus for now because the the uh, the uh, the original marketing scheme was so it was not anti gamer, but it was kind of just like forget about the gamers. Uh, but their their main goal is to make this the primary media box in every home. That's what they want. They. Still don't care about gamers. They want this in living rooms. 
and the connect is a huge part of that. You know, you know, the one thing that I've noticed, uh, if you watch the Xbox One commercials, and they they have there's one of the commercials, and it's got a bunch of glowing quotes about how this is the future, and it's you know the greatest console ever. Um, all those the media that they're quoting are not games media. It's like the New York Times or Entertainment Weekly or very general, you know, general media. And I think that's the target that they're going for. Is you know, it's, it's if you are very focused on gaming, then I think you're going to want the PlayStation Four, or at least you know, you know, barring the fact that you may want games that are, that are restricted to the Xbox One. But as far as trying to dominate the living room, they need to. You know, they're looking for you know, normal people. And I'm using air quotes there. Um, but they're looking for people that aren't aren't into gaming. That's why you see the focus on like fantasy football. I mean, Drew Drew Brees was going around before the Super Bowl promoting uh, the NFL app on Xbox One, you know, and, and, and uh, you know try, trying to you know sell sell that. Um, it's it's really it, it, I mean it, it's it's interesting because uh, you know a lot of the stuff that we look at, you know, we look at it through the prism of you know just the gaming thing, and I guess from our perspective, you know, the war for the living room, as it were, is is kind of a bad you know, bad thing to be associated with. But Microsoft is very much fighting that. And I think they might actually consider themselves to be winning just to some degree, maybe not by selling more consoles, but I think they've actually gained a little more acceptance in that regard as far as like, oh, you know, I'm not a gamer. I'm not going to use my Xbox for gaming, but I'll certainly have this in my living room. Nobody's paying $500 for a cable box. <laughs> nope. So what, all that stuff you just said, no. <laughs> <laughs> but your cable box doesn't listen when you say connect channel two. It doesn't have to, because I can do it silently with a remote control. Yes, I speak quietly to the remote with my fingers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, nobody, that, that's the whole problem with this strategy of making the Xbox One the king of the living room. Mm-hmm. Why would I do that? You know, yeah. well, I, mean, I mean, Apple, they bought you know, the company that made the original Kinect. It's not going to be that difficult for that company to take that technology and then make something le- closer to the 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 Connect that well the Connect 2.0, right? Apple TV costs a hundred bucks. If Apple prices, you know, this this camera or microphone system, you know, at a, let's say an additional hundred bucks, so now the Apple TV package is two hundred dollars. That's three hundred dollars cheaper than what you get with the Xbox One, and you can still do all the same thing. But now, if you're a gamer, you can say, I can pay $200 for that and another 400 for the PS4, or I can just pay $500 and get my Xbox One in one nice package. But we're not talking about gamers. We're talking about being the king of the living room. And we're talking about way more people than gamers. That's the thing. Like The, the strategy failed when they, when they went for the casual market. Not even the, not even the casual market, the non-gaming market. They went for the everyone. And that's where it failed because the reason these consoles get into homes in the first place is because of gamers. Do you know why Netflix was like the like Xbox 360 was the number one uh, utility for streaming Netflix? Gamers. Gamers brought the consoles in. One day their mom's walking past with a fucking basket of laundry. Oh, what you doing? I'm watching Netflix. And that's how she found out about it. <laughs> Not saying your mom has to be doing laundry. Just saying, that's what was in my head <laughs> at the time. <laughs> anyway, but it's that's I mean that's that's how that happened. Like nobody's you know mom just went out and bought 
you know, an Xbox 360 or their dad who doesn't play games went on Xbox 360 for the media options. Shit, even toward the end of the life, the console cycle, they still didn't do that. Xbox is associated with gaming. That's never going to change. Never going to change. And the, it's it's too expensive for them to try to expand the brand. If they wanted to make this, if they wanted to like to take over the living room, they needed to brand a different product, make a totally different product, and then use the Xbox branding inside of that, like Sony does with the phones, like Sony is going to do with the TVs that are going to be able to play PlayStation games via the streaming service from Gaikai. PlayStation Now on your Sony TV. That's how you do it. That's smart. But having an Xbox branded device and try to now you're trying to change the perception of the Xbox, it's not there. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of inside out thinking, trying to get like these outside people to buy a gaming system so they can do all this extra stuff where it was gamers who made like you said, the Netflix big. It's not like Netflix brought all these people and made them buy Xboxes. And they seem to have in their head this backwards idea. Silly. Exactly. They're rushing. Because this has always been their plan. That's why. Mm-hmm. This has always been their plan to do this. To, to make the Xbox the center of the living room. And I love, like, uh, was it Phil Spencer? Who said it? Somebody like said, "Oh, it's called the Xbox because it's a variable. It could be it can be anything." No, it's actually not called the Xbox because that is called the Xbox because it was short for Direct Xbox, which specifically has to do with graphic rendering or 3D rendering. So don't give me don't don't feed me that bullshit. Yeah, but that's like complaining about MTV still being called music television, even though they don't show music anymore. At this point, it's just a name, and that's why it's a crime, Nick. <laughs> that's and that's why we need Robocop. Robocop. Yeah. <laughs> Roll in and fix this shit, Robocop. Oh, dude. He's Robocop. Why? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the X. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. If, if under the right circumstances, because I know people just think, oh, he's an Xbox hater. No. I actually have very good reasons for not liking the Xbox ecosystem as it exists right now my 360 which i play i tur- i used to turn my 360 on every day when i came home from work it was just something i did and i walk in my door i walk past my den as i'm walking past the den i just reach my arm out bam power on the xbox walk you know to the bedroom change the clothes come back out and bam there's my xbox i'm either playing a game i'm streaming netflix maybe watching a show something you know on my xbox and Microsoft fucked that up for me when they started when they started putting advertising first on my interface, you know. And then the whole thing with the Xbox One, dude, I'd get an Xbox One, but then I one I'm not paying five hundred dollars for a console. I didn't pay five hundred dollars for a PS3. Damn, not well, not six hundred dollars for a PS3. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not paying five hundred dollars for a video game console when I have a, a PC that's more powerful than your console sitting right here. Sitting, you know, not even, you know, we'll see, like, five, six feet away from this thing. So, like, I'm not paying $500 for a console. And then I'm not paying for a device that I don't want. I do not want the Connect. Why are you forcing it down my throat? Sony got it right. They were going to bundle their camera with their with the, with the uh, PS4. And then they said, no. Forget about it. You know? Does, does this whole console war for the last 
six, eight months. Does it play out completely different if Sony's presentation is before Microsoft's? Um, possibly. But I think Sony would have been more willing to drop the camera out of their, of their, of their bundle. Or at least offer a second bundle. Here's a bundle with a camera. Here's a bundle without a camera. Not to mention their camera. Actually, I, I wonder how much does that camera cost? The iToy. Let's see. How much does the, the PS4 iToy cost? Anybody know? No, no idea. Frig, I didn't even know. That. I, I knew they'd had it, but I didn't even know it had released since because I've heard so little about it and seen no games that incorporate it in any way. It's like they just sort of swept it under the rug, to me at least. I, guess I, I see it when I go. When I go to like a uh, Best Buy or something like that, um, actually, I don't even see a price for it. Let me check Amazon. You know, while you're looking that up, I just want to say uh, my favorite tweet from during the Super Bowl was from Ramay Ismail, and it said, "For those who don't know American football but do like video games, this Seattle Denver match is the equivalent of Sony's E3 presentation." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh huh, I don't see yeah, maybe it's not for sale. I just see it I just see it being demoed. Maybe they're just like, fuck it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> nobody wants a camera. And the thing I'm not seeing any games that really incorporate Connect in any way. Like I know they're trying to factor Connect into the whole Xbox experience, but I figured the way to push it on gamers is to have it incorporated in more games, but I'm not seeing anything. No, like nobody it really. wants it unless you have like something very specific. And then when they try to force things on, like, um, I remember that E3 presentation, they had, uh, the connect thing with the connect thing with the, uh, the ghost recon. It's like, oh, you can turn your gun by doing this and you can spread it out by doing this and you can put it back together by doing this. Or I can just use the analog stick and press right control stick. Like, you know how fast I was able to put guns together doing that shit? I have to do guns together in like two seconds. Yeah. It's like putting the grilled cheese on a forming grill. Like it was so <laughs> fast. <laughs> Using my controller. Uh, to me, the connect is. Did you? Did any of you guys play Steel Battalion, Heavy Armor, or whatever the hell it was no, called? The connect version. No, no. Is, don't don't you have imaginary controls in that game? Oh my god, I do, I can't even explain this game. Like I played it with the downstairs neighbors, and I haven't gotten this mad in a long time. This is the connect for me. All I wanted to do was reload the damn gun. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to reload it. What happened was, I reached for the window, I half-closed it, I reopened it. I, I reached for a lever, pulled it, without just waving my hands away. Pulled that lever a couple of times, pulled out the panel that started up the self-destruct, flicked open that switch, pushed it back, opened up my camera screen, changed camera a couple of times, vented the thing out, then hit the self-destruct button. Oh, all I geez. wanted to do was reload the gun. <laughs> that is the connect to me, right there. Jesus Christ! Unbelievable, unbelievably. Like, I, I just, I don't want the thing. I don't want it. Yeah. I know they probably spent a ton of money on it. I don't want it. I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. I'm not paying for it. Take it out of the system, and I'll buy the damn system. Because I want a crazy game from the guy who made Deadly Premonition. That will sell me your stupid console. Take the connect out, and I'll buy it. I mean, this is a perfect example of putting all your eggs in one basket because this is why they're so heavy on it. And like mm-hmm. to go back to what Nick said, you know, would it be, would it have been would you know would things be different if Sony had the conference first? I I don't think so because 
Sony would have had the conference first, unless they did bundle the camera with the PS4, which I, I can't find an iToy for sale. So there's a chance that they weren't going to bundle it at all anyway. But even if they, let's say they did that and it cost $500, they would have been more willing to have a second bundle for $400 without the iToy. Mm-hmm. Or drop it all completely. They would have been able to do that like that. Mm-hmm. But it did work out in their favor to have Microsoft Conference first. They yeah, kind of made things really easy for they them. They knew exactly <laughs> what to say. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, that's, yeah, like, I, I think Sony still would have had the upper hand simply because you have these expensive consoles, these expensive devices, and you got to give gamers a reason to get them. And, like, when you feel that's like Sony has your back, you know, as a gamer, even though they're still a company, they just really want to make money off you. But if part of your strategy is to build up the community and be part of that community and make gamers special, then it works. That's what Valve does. Mm-hmm. You think Valve want no? You think Valve loves you? Valve doesn't love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, 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 they're a company too. They just, they, they, their bottom line is to make money. But part of their strategy is making sure that you are a happy consumer. Mm-hmm. You know. It's not sucking the money away from you. It's making sure that you want to spend the money as opposed to extracting the money from your wallet. <laughs> that's, that's, that's their strategy. And I don't know. It just doesn't feel like Microsoft is doing that. Microsoft's, I think Microsoft, they, they, they had the Sony syndrome. They had the Sony syndrome from Sony back in 2005. Oh, $600 for the good version of the PS3? People buy it. It's a PlayStation. You know? Oh, we <laughs> didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you know, the Xbox 360 is on top of the world right now. It's one of the, you know, it's like I would say it's probably one of the best, you know, cable box alternatives you could have. Um, and they, that's what they were probably looking at. You know, they're looking at stuff like, well, people are streaming the Olympics on this, and or they're streaming uh, Netflix, Hulu, uh fucking HBO Prime or whatever it's called. HBO Go, there you go. <laughs> and, um, you know, they they were like, you know, it's time. We, we've made it. We've done it. We're mainstream now. No, no, you're not. You're still a gamer. You're still a gamer's machine. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I don't know. Yeah, I've, if this comes true, I mean, I'm curious to see what it does. I'm really curious to see Because let's say this this happens. They release a, uh, a discless, you know, um a discless Xbox One comes down to 400. Sony's already at 400. And they make the Blu-ray player. How much money can they come down by taking out a Blu-ray player? <laughs> you know? You know, not, not even that, though, but I guess one point is is that for a company that wants to have that one device be, you know, your sole device in the living room, removing the Blu-ray player means that you're still going to need to have a Blu-ray player connected through your Xbox to play Blu-ray movies. And wow. I know, I mean, I know the future is, you know, streaming and discless, but plenty of people still have libraries on Blu-ray that they're going to want to play, so. You know, it, for, for me, like, I am not a fan of just having movies digitally. Well, unless it's on, like, a hard drive. But, like, in terms of, like, for example, I don't buy movies on Amazon Prime. I'll rent them, but I wouldn't buy them, especially because the movies cost, like, 10, 15 bucks. Fuck that noise. Like, I'll, I'll rent them. But, like, in terms of movies, I'd much rather have discs here. I got, I'm looking at, like, my collection of Blu-ray discs. 
And the reason is, when I can't connect to the internet, and so therefore I can't play, like, StarCraft, and I can't do these different things, like, you know, that I work on on the internet, I'm going to watch a movie that I have on disc, you know? Which, um, actually, I just watched a movie recently, and it pissed me off. Because, and it's a movie that I bought, too. I can't remember which one it is. Um, but basically, the movie connects to the internet and downloads an ad for you to watch before you watch the movie. Wow, that's I great. I can't remember what it was. I'm like, bitch, I, I already paid for this movie. Why am I watching an ad now? You're monetizing me for I think, you know, um, we just watched Despicable Me too, and I think it did that. Yeah. So, I'm about to... I'm, uh, I'm gonna do some DNS magic soon and make that not happen, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, I'll I'll write a tutorial about that when I actually do it <laughs> on my uh, on my other site, BigBlackGuy.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's um, we we've stomped on Microsoft again for long enough. Let's let's move away. Um, there's an article on Polygon. Which talks about the uh, the diversity of the fighting game community, um, and I thought it was a pretty good article. You know, it, it talks it talks about you know how the fighting game community is different. It's a lot of face to face, you know, because of the, you know the way things were in the arcades and well, I mean, right now it really doesn't like a lot of games. Actually, I just had a conversation with somebody about this, but a lot of fighting games don't have good netcode. So, like, um, playing at high levels online isn't the same as playing somebody face-to-face. Like, you know, you could play somebody StarCraft online and have a high-level game or, you know, even, like, Unreal Tournament or something like that. But it's just not the same as in, in, with a fighting game being being right there next to the person, which is all great. Um, and if the article was titled, like, about that, like, you know, let's say, you know, why the fighting game community is so great or why the fighting game community is different from all of the competitive communities, I've been all right with that. But the uh, the title is, or the article is titled "Why the Fighting Game Community Is Colorblind." So when I first started reading this article, I'm just kind of like, "Okay, is the author going to make comparisons to other uh, communities that aren't colorblind?" And I started thinking to myself, like, "What what game communities are racist?" And I started thinking about, it, but. You know, I couldn't come up with any, and neither could this guy. But so, uh, but like basically, the article starts off with it. You know, there's a uh, talks about Tom Cannon, who's a, who's a StarCraft player. He's a black guy, um, and he, he goes and he basically starts talking about you know games like StarCraft and League of Legends. Uh, there's not a lot of a lot of black players, and so and the way he approaches it, he says, you know, StarCraft and League of Legends, they're not easy to begin with. You have uh, steep learning curves. Um, and there's like, basically there's a huge body of knowledge that you have to learn that people already know so you can get to a competitive level. And then he says for Canon, there was one more barrier to entry. And then he brings up the whole race thing. And I'm kind of like, why is that a barrier to entry? Like that doesn't compute with me. And it's almost making a a issue out of a non-issue. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I totally understand games like Starcraft, um, in uh, League of Legends, even like Unreal Tournament, Counter Strike, actually most uh, most PC games uh, do lack diversity to a degree. Um, well, they lack diversity a lot. Like you know, when I used to go to lands and stuff like that, like sure there might only be out, out of everybody there, you know, let's say there were 
uh, like you know 400 500 people at this land you might have you know 10 15 black people maybe you know uh and other and in a mixture of other minorities uh but i don't think anybody really had a problem with that it's not that these communities are pushing people out based off of race i think it has a lot to do with I guess just the way PC communities are set up in general. There's there's like a bar a, a bar uh, to entry to begin with, simply because it's a P, it's the PC community, especially back then when these communities were first forming. PC gaming was way more expensive than it is right now. PC gaming is actually pretty cheap now. You could build a, a cheap rig and and get and get away with it. Whereas before, like you know, if your rig wasn't decent and you were playing a real tournament, like you were on the uh, uh, you'd be on the, the the wrong side of rockets and lightning a lot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you would be, uh, but you know, I read a quote here. It says, uh, "When you look into the crowd, it's it's literally like find the black person. It's all Korean people from Korea." This is him talking about um, StarCraft or Asian Americans or Cajun, almost one hundred percent. And it's a little bit intimidating to think, okay, I'm going to go in here. And like be a part of this thing when there's nobody who looks like me in this scene. Am I just being insensitive? Because I've never thought like that. I have been to lands where I was the only black guy, you know, and it did, didn't even like really cross my mind that this was gonna be an issue, you know. Now I can't speak for all communities, but you know, I play StarCraft and I, I played uh, Counter Strike competitively. I pay, played Unreal Tournament competitively. I played Call of Duty before it sucked competitively. I played Battlefield competitively. And all those games uh, don't have a, a, a large minority group. You know? And it just... It never... I never had a problem um, inside those communities. And don't get me wrong, I don't... I'm not trying to say that, that racism doesn't exist inside somewhere inside his communities, but it doesn't reflect the community as a whole. Just like the whole um, cross the cross Tekken thing that happened does not represent the fighting game community. It represents that guy and people who think like it, but that's not the whole fighting game community that thinks like that. You know what I'm saying? And it was the same thing with all these communities. Like, sure, you know, I've heard more than my fair share of Digger online. Who hasn't? Actually, at this point, you don't even have to be black to hear that because people just no, throw it God. around to try. That's how you know that they're losing the argument. That They're losing the argument. They lost the game. They don't know what to do. That's all they have. So when I hear that, I know I've won. Like, it's official. Like, they can't, they're, they're not coming back from that. You know, but still, like, that, yes, that portion exists. But at the same time, the community as a whole is, is fine. And out of it's funny because out of like because I have gotten to, into heated arguments and name calling, especially when I was younger, going back and forth, some really nasty shit. Me and other people have gone back and forth with each other, and racism wasn't even the issue. Like it wasn't nothing. Like I've had so many of those those conflicts, and race never came up. You know. So as I don't see, I really don't see what the issue here, here is. It, and I guess the, it just kind of, I read the whole article just waiting to see, just waiting for this bomb to drop and nothing ever happened. It kind of felt like a clickbait title, you know, for me to read it. 
but like yeah like you know like i said the article is good in terms of they're talking about how the fighting game is uh how the fighting game community is different and um you know how, why they're so diverse like the fighting community is so diverse because it was a very very low bar to uh bar to entry um but still it's not the the way the article starts off it makes it kind of seem like um he's saying that other that other you know other games or other game communities aren't as diverse because of some problem and i don't think it's a problem unless you're talking about a social problem where you know more minorities can't afford you know to be a part of the pc master race i mean that's a whole different discussion <laughs> are you sure you want to use pc master race in this context absolutely <laughs> absolutely you just said black people can't be the master race. <laughs> hey i said minorities <laughs> nick <laughs> and hey i'm here so it's all good <laughs> for the pc master race uh but go ahead nick you remind me of the uh the dave Chappelle skit of the uh the, the black guy who's a member of the kkk <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> no. No. Um, no, I think you're entirely right about the barrier entry part of it. And I kind of think he that's kind of the point that he ultimately makes, although he doesn't get there in the most eloquent fashion. Um I mean one of the things to think about is um I think if you look at like most tech companies for example, I think their like their their employee makeup is is predominantly, you know, like white male and then you you know you tend to have, you know, the Asians and some other other minorities it's not i mean starcraft is an extreme example as far as the asian representation because it's so popular in korea um, yeah, that's that, a whole that's that's like a whole cultural thing yeah for them. yeah and at the top level that skews the result i mean if you're talking about a, the top handful of players i mean especially this being a profession for them you know okay so you've got korea kind of taking up a large number of those slots and then yeah fundamentally the people the people who tend to have enough depend the people who have enough discretionary income to have access to a pc and then also the time to get good at a game like starcraft to the point where they can be competitive and turn it into a lifestyle choice um they're going to tend to be caucasian um and that's kind of you know and and that you know that that's kind of the breakdown there and it's the same kind of thing even like i said like a tech company the people who have access to a pc and the, and the means to you know you know educate themselves and get familiar with sort of networking and that kind of stuff are going to tend to be caucasian you know, it's not to say that there aren't other people there, but I think just by and large, I think you'll see the numbers kind of parallel themselves a little bit. Um, but really, I, I mean, he makes an interesting point as far as, uh, you know, I guess the one argument is that the really I think the, the kind of the, the sub argument that he makes as far as why the fighting community is so inclusive is that for the like for the fighting games you have to be playing in person if you look back in the days of the arcade and even you know the modern arcade is you know sort of you know going at somebody's house or going to a tournament and playing together you know you have two people playing against each other at once you know maybe across a few stations but the bulk of the time people are stuck waiting for their turn to play and so they're 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 the spectators and what happens one is that there's no Nobody is purely a spectator. Everybody winds up participating. Everybody gets their, their turn to play. But also what this means is that the bulk of the time people spend actually just hanging out with other people waiting and they're not actually just competing. You look at a lot of the online forums and you're in the lobby for you know how long before you're moving into the game. And once you're in the game, you're not really socially engaged with anybody because you're purely working on – 
you know, winning. You know, you may, you know, it, it's kind of counterintuitive because you might think, oh, well, you know, StarCraft, you play in teams. And so these teams should be, you know, these teams, you know, they should be a little more cohesive. Whereas, you know, for a fighting game, you're fighting against everybody. So you should be antagonistic towards everybody. But what happens is that, like, you know, your, your teammates are the only people that you interact with to any real degree outside of the game. And so it's harder to, you know, to build those relationships that you can start to include people. You can start to get to know other people. I think maybe at the top level, when you start going to tournaments and you start interacting with people, you know, because you have a t scheduled time and you're, you know, you're there for a day or two and, you know, then you might get to know everybody. But I think when you're just playing the game and building your, you know, working your way up through the ranks, there's a distinct lack of social interaction. And, or, I mean, it's, it's there, but I think it takes an extra, it, there's an extra le a, a level of effort that you need to seek it out. And whereas the fighting game community, you know, you're stuck online waiting to play an arcade game with, you know, you're going to start talking to the people around you. Um, or, you know, you go to a, you know, you go to a tournament, you're sitting there, you're going to start talking to the people around you. And just that physical proximity combined with the downtime, I think that, that the, the end result of that is that the, it's, it's a bit more social in that regard. It's a bit easier to kind of get in. I think you could very easily play StarCraft and be very good at StarCraft and never talk to anybody else that you're playing against then never interact with them and technically be a member of the StarCraft community but not really be a member of the StarCraft community. And I think that's – I guess that's sort of the fundamental advantage that fighting games have in this regard. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's what I said. It does a good job of, of pointing out the differences. Uh, but I don't think – I don't think the the fighting game community is more inclusive of other people than others, or more tolerant of other like races specifically than others. Uh, it's I just think like it's it's just easier to get into fighting game community because it's such a low you know barrier to entry. Yeah, you know, back in the day, what you needed a quarter, you know, got a quarter, go to the arcade, and then that's 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 what it was. But now it's uh, you know get an Xbox. In a game, like it's much cheaper than getting a PC and having a PC that can run StarCraft well or Counter Strike well, you know, stuff like that. Not to mention, with when it came, when it came to the fighting games, there's always new ones coming out. So, like, even if you could, even if you weren't the best at Street Fighter 2, when Street Fighter 3 came out, that's kind of a new game that people are learning. It gives you, it gives you, uh, you know, a better chance. Uh, you know, there's more iterations of fighting games. I mean, shit, like Street Fighter 4, like, what are we on, like, the fourth or fifth version of Street Fighter 4 that's coming out? Yeah, I think it's so, the fourth version. Yeah, so, like, you know, and you know, while it's it's roughly the same game, there's still a lot of new stuff that people are going to have to learn. Whereas with, it's it's kind of hard to get, like, if you want to, let's say you want to start playing Counter-Strike 1.6 right now, good luck with that shit, because people have been playing that for over a decade. You know, the same people. You know, get, same thing with getting into something like a, an Unreal Tournament where people have been playing it for so long, you know, or a StarCraft where people have been playing it for so long. It's a lot harder to just to get into those communities. And that's, I think that is just the way the communities are set up. And some communities are just way more aggressive. Like, I can tell you, the, the Counter-Strike community is not friendly. It's not. Like, if you go, if you hop on ESEA, to try to learn, I'm gonna put you know quotes on that. To try to learn how to play better, good luck with that because they are going to destroy you, both like you know in the game with bullets and verbally. <laughs> they they will. Then they'll destroy your ranking in ESEA. So like yeah, like like that community is not a friendly community. Uh, they expect by the they, like 
you know, they expect by the time you are playing with them, you know what you're doing. And I totally understand that because I am the same way when it comes to Counter-Strike or even when it came to Unreal Tournament. Uh, but the fighting game community, because I hang out with a lot of those guys, you know, they're more willing to help somebody out and, uh, you know, teach them how to play. Because while the learning curve is is pretty steep, you know, uh, it's not, I wouldn't say it's as steep as playing like, you know, a Counter-Strike, something like that. Not to mention, you know, Counter-Strike is a team game. And that's, I guess that's another thing, too. The, the uh, fighting games are, are, are 1v1, you know. Basically, it's you versus another person. So, your enjoyment of the game isn't going to be that degraded if the other person is bad. Now, in Counter-Strike and an Unreal Tournament and certain games like that, even League of Legends or, you know, Star, I guess StarCraft if you play a team game, um, it's different. Like, if I'm playing 5v5, let's say I get a pug, and I'm, getting, I'm playing 5v5, right, and one of our teammates is bad, there's a chance that, you know, I mean, sometimes you can carry the extra teammate, depending on the skill level of the other team, but like, there's some time, like, if, the, if, if you're, if four players on your team are top-notch and five players on the other team are top-notch, you're going to lose because it is one person. You don't want to play with somebody who's not playing at your skill level because then it becomes frustrating, and it's even more frustrating because you can't do anything about it. That's what the problem is. Like, it's not that you're just losing. It's that you're doing the the, the best you can. You'd actually be doing much better if this one person didn't suck ass. You know, that's and that's where a lot of that frustration comes in. So there's a lot of different reasons why the fighting game community is more, is uh, very inclusive uh, or it can be more inclusive than a lot of these other communities. But racism, one of them. <laughs> that's the, that's the big thing here. That's, I do not like the way this article is titled. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, fundamentally, it, it's I, I think it's a valid question to ask as far as when you look. I mean, ideally, when you look at any group, what you want to see is, you know, the, you know, a representative mix that is indicative of what the population is. And so it's, you know, it, it is a valid question, I think, to look at, say, you know, StarCraft and say, well, why is it mostly Asians and Caucasians and then apparently one black guy? Whereas, you know, then you can look, you know, and then compare that to the fighting community where you do have a much more diverse group. Um, that sounds like the title of a show, by the way, just to let you know. What, Asians, Asians, Caucasians, and Caucasians and one black Asians, guy. Caucasians and one black guy. <laughs> Or porno, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Go for it. Sorry. Uh, no, but uh, I mean, I, I, and I think it's a it's a valid question. I don't, but fundamentally, I, like I said, I said, like I think his thesis is basically it's easier for you know it's easier for Caucasians and Asians to get into StarCraft, and then he spends the entire article just talking about why why the fighting the fighting game community is probably the most easy to join community of all uh, gaming communities. Um, because it has such a low, because it has such a low barrier to entry. I mean, one of the things that we're talking about even now is arcades may be dead, but it's very easy for somebody who knows somebody. You know, you may have a friend that has a console. You can go play at their house. And the thing is that it's easy enough. You watch them play one game against the computer, and then you they hand you the second controller, and then you start playing against them. Whereas, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna watch somebody play one match of StarCraft, and then how long you have to wait for them to finish before they're like, okay, now you sit down and you play. Unless they, unless you brought your laptop with you, and then they can be like, "Oh, we'll download the, you know, and we can play." And at that point, you already have the barrier to entry of a laptop and stuff. So it's no, I, I think, I mean, it, it, it makes sense that a community that you know with the low barrier entry is going to include a much more, you know, range of everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't, 
Yeah, I, I don't like really refute any of that. But my problem is, why is this? Why is this article turning this into a race issue? Well, that because that's the fundamental question that he's asking is why. Basically, it's why is there only one black guy playing StarCraft? There should be more. Well, we figured that out in I don't know twenty minutes. It probably took him <laughs> longer, <laughs> longer than that to write that article. I wonder if you figured it out, like while he's writing, it's like, well, shit. <laughs> like that way, I can't put my article out. Yeah, but I, I don't like stuff like that bringing up. St- stirring that racial pot without it really being an issue. Like, say, there are plenty of examples where race is an issue in certain cases. This isn't one of them. Gaming communities, like I've been involved with a lot, I've never run into a race issue where I felt pushed out or not accepted due, due, due to race. You know, that that's the thing. It's because nobody's going to push you out. <laughs> I don't think anyone could. No. <laughs> that's like, the thing. Like, yeah, like you know, I, I've been just I was through gaming in general. I've become way more diversified than I ever would have been if I did not get into gaming. You know, I grew up in a primarily black area. I grew up in Newark, New Jersey. Like that—that's I—I I knew black people, Hispanic people, and that was kind of it until I really started gaming. You know, and then that's that's when you know, I really started to spread my wings. You know. <laughs> But still, as I'm saying, like, I've never, no, I've never had a race issue with a gaming community. You run into races all the time. That's just the world. That's just the way it is. But it, that doesn't reflect on these communities as a whole. You know, I, I, I just want to say I'm glad that the fighting game community is not, or, or, or I should say, I was, I was concerned that the fighting game community was colorblind. Because developers spend so much time making those alt color skins for their characters that it would be a shame if nobody could actually see them. That was a terrible That's actually joke. what I thought it was. <laughs> At first, like, first I was like, oh god, are they mostly colorblind? Can <laughs> I not know this? There's a report on why fighting games is bad for your eyes. <laughs> much too long for that. Uh, Alright, that's, that's enough of that. Let's move on to our, our last topic. Let's talk about EA and Dungeon Keeper, which is a free-to-play title. Uh, that's what EA is calling it, free-to-play, yeah. uh, um, where a lot of people are saying that it's actually play-to-win uh, because basically after a certain amount of time, or basically when, when you do certain functions in the game, it it now it, it, it pretty much stops you from playing for a, a specified period of time unless you pay to unlock or to do these things faster. It's like the Farmville strategy on cocaine mm-hmm. or steroids or both <laughs> simultaneously. EA, in other words. Yes. <laughs> EA being EA again. Yeah, so there, there's that going on. People were complaining about that. And to add icing on the cake, there's also a... Uh, some speculation that uh, EA is manipulating the ratings. It's not speculation. It's, it's oh, it's fact. true. Sorry, it's fact. Sorry. <laughs> I, no, I, no, and and that's the icing on the cake too. Is one of the defenses as far as their attacks about this game. You've destroyed the game by making it, you know, pay to play. And you know, their defense is like, well, the game's got a great rating on Google Play, and that's because they've been subtly manipulating the ratings. Yeah, right. if you want to give it anything other than five stars. It gives you this little prompt that you can send them an email on why you wouldn't give it a perfect score. Possibly forgetting that you haven't rated it 
you've been taken away by this little side window and given something else to do, which is pretty cute, you know. I mean, tricking people into not leaving feedback. It's 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 brilliant because there I mean there's two buttons you hit the one button for five stars it takes you right to the ratings page it says rate the game right here put your five star in and go on your merry way and then you hit the other button for one to four stars it says tell us why you didn't like the game and then that's it it dumps you out it doesn't even take you back to the rating page you have to go back manually so it's it's not explicitly preventing you from rating the game but it you know you go through the process you think oh i gave him my feedback about why i only rated it one one to four stars and then it never actually lets you you know it it never explicitly gives you the opportunity to then rate it you know unless you're paying attention and so the end result was it had like a it was had like a four star rating despite the fact that everyone everywhere seems to be complaining about this yeah like uh, even fans of the series uh which I, i guess that's why the um that's why it's it's caught so much uh, so much attention because you know a lot of critics were giving it bad reviews, but then the fans of the series were also giving it very bad reviews too, and agreeing with the critics. So um, you know that uh, nobody seems to like this game, but yet it has all these high ratings, thanks to EA's little. Well, we want to hear about your you know why you don't like the game. So no, <laughs> like they. We're just gonna stash your review over here. Exactly. <laughs> no, but there, there are clearly people that like the game. But the, I guess, and, and the problem is that it's the same kind of people that like Candy Crush. Like, it's if you're, I mean, if you're looking for a game that you can kind of play in small bursts that obnoxiously tries to monetize you, um, you know, then yeah, if you enjoy the Dungeon Keeper style of gameplay and you're okay with that then by all means, go ahead and enjoy the game. And that's kind of the point that uh, Jeff Skalski makes in his defense of the game is that, you know, they're not really doing anything that any other games aren't doing. And, uh, you know, they're just, you know, putting the game out there on a mobile device the, the way that other games are presented in the same format. But the problem is that you've got people who knew, remember the old experience and they want that old experience back and there's no way for them to get that. They, like, they're, they're, not, they're saying they'd be more than willing to pay for the game, you know, give it to them as a five or a ten dollar you know one price fee you know give me all the the, you know the bells and whistles within the game and i'll you know pay the one time and i'll play it till my heart's content and that's not an option at this point because well if that's an option then you lose the whales lose the whales well yeah (laughs) because if you know if the whales have a cheap option like that once somebody realizes like oh shit i've already spent like twenty dollars on this game i could easily spend another 80 then they'll just buy the ten dollar version and be done with it Here's the thing, like, every free-to-play game needs some type of option that will allow you to pay a set price and get everything you want. That's what they need. Every free-to-play game needs it. Because that will just solve the problem of this of this free-to-play thing that's going on right now, where people feel like they're getting their, their money siphoned from them. You know, like, like, I think Tribes was the first that I saw do it. Where you can pay like you know you pay like sixty bucks for their game of the year edition, or it was actually cheaper than that. It was like forty bucks, I think. And you it unlocks everything that's available at the time. I understand that the, the like a game like Tribe is going to continue to upgrade, but you pay that forty bucks and you unlock everything that's available at that time. And that's what they need for games like this, and it wouldn't be an issue because then it'll be like it, it, it gives gamers an option. Okay, do you want to pay up front? Fine, but if you don't want to pay, then here. Nickel and dime. 
you know, this is you, you have that's really giving people options right there. Mm-hmm. But the the, the whole free to play model of uh, completely stopping somebody from playing until they they pay a certain amount of money or they have to wait an absurd amount of time for something simple to happen. Like, mm-hmm. you know, let's say like Nick used the example uh, before when we were talking earlier about having to dig a hole or something like that. If it takes 30 minutes to dig a hole, that's fine as long as you don't really have to do anything after that, you know, to after digging a hole. But now, okay, well, it took 30 minutes to dig a hole, but you need to dig six holes to complete this thing. So now it's another 30 minutes. Now it's another 30 minutes. Like, that doesn't really fly. You know, and that's, that's I think that's the problem here. You know, the the only problem with free-to-play games is when they uh, make you feel like they are just taking your money. Yeah. Or that you're just basically trapped. Like, the only way to make progress is to spend money. Like, unless you want to spend an exorbitant amount of time. Like, uh, the Shattered Planet beta I played a little while ago, uh, I was getting a little annoyed with it because I felt like I wasn't able to make any progress without, like, sinking money into it. Yeah. But they actually, like, I played some of the other different game types that gave more of a certain item that I needed to buy gear for my character. So it seemed a little bit better balanced. But if they screwed up that balance, like, in one direction, like, the only viable way to play it would be to pay for it. Unless you just want to putter around, like, the starting area forever. Essentially, like, downloading a demo for a game and just playing the demo for the rest of your life. And saying, that's free to play. Yeah, that's that's not really what we want. I mean, I guess the free-to-play model works best on on non-gamers mm-hmm. because uh, I mean, I guess the, they're better suited for microtransactions. But yeah, well, they don't seem to notice when a game is just kind of really repetitive. Like, they don't know any better. Shit. Yeah, yeah they, they, don't. they they don't remember the good times. That's why there were no good times for them. Exactly. If only they knew what just lay over the horizon. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, I mean, so it's not that we totally unexpected. This is not like a surprising news. I mean, it, it's it's EA. EA <laughs> so, is like the pioneer finding greasier ways to like make money off free to play games lately. I remember when Act people were like really against Activision, and that lasted for a few years. Yeah, but like EA, they've been on a roll for years now. Like I think they like people were totally forgetting that Activision was the you know the center of the of the evil universe yeah i think you it qu- didn't it quiet down a little bit around when mirror's edge came out and they were trying weird new things yeah it did but they were they were scraping bottom at that point i think they were in some uh, actually some type of trouble and they were forced to make quality games yeah, <laughs> like mirror's edge concept yeah like mirror's edge uh they came out with some good battlefield games that's when, you know it really started to teeter out um, around Medal of Honor, like yeah. when Medal of Honor, the 2010 Medal of Honor came out, started it started to peter out, and I don't know. I think the last good game they made, well, you know, like I think the end of that era was like Crisis Two. Yeah, like around, probably because like around that's when they started doing the whole. Well, now Battlefield needs to be Call of Duty, but it's not Call of Duty, <laughs> you know. But the, yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. I don't know. They, they 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 were doing good and then they fell off and then they were doing good again and now they're falling off the wagon. Yeah, back to their old tricks and yeah. Nobody's mad at Activision anymore because we're all mad at EA. Yeah, and it's funny because the thing is, like, people weren't 
people weren't even it's people are just mad at EA as a whole. Anything that EA puts their stamp on is gonna have this whole EA um, aura about it that people don't like. But with Activision, it was really Bobby Kotick that people didn't like. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it was a little different. Like, and I think that's why it kind of calmed down because you aren't hearing anything about Bobby Kotick when Bobby yeah. Kotick was in the media a lot and saying what he wanted to do with games in general. That's when people hated Activision. But yeah, as soon as, like, I guess when he realized it's not a good idea for me to be in the public eye, people kind of, you know, the latest Call of Duty, people were blaming Infinity Ward, not Activision. And for good, cho- good, good, good point, too, because, I mean, Activision was a publisher for Black Ops 2, and that game was good. And Infinity Ward, you know, now you have Call of Duty Ghosts, and that's just not so great. Because it's the story from Homefront, but we're not going to get into that. So, um, do you guys hear about that? No. The same guy who wrote the Homefront story wrote this story, and it's pretty much Homefront. Oh. <laughs> so, he's going to keep back. writing it until he gets it right. He's going to keep writing story. it until somebody realizes, like, hey, I think this guy's telling the same story over and over again. <laughs> so, like, damn it. He's put smart. Home Sounds like a smart man to me. over in MS Paint. <laughs> I think something's funny's up, boys. Yeah. Just as a macro to change all of the call of our home fronts to Call of Duties, done. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I think it's gonna it's gonna wrap us up. Uh, let's see what's coming out. Still nothing all that great. Um, Bravely Default is tomorrow or today. Why is Flappy Bird on this list? Take it off. Just take it off. I'm getting tired of hearing about that game. Me too. I've put my head down and ignored it, so I have no idea what the hell it is. It's a tap game. You, you tap on the screen and you have to fly between the shit. Like, um, you know, the, those those types of games they've been making for millennia now. Oh my god. <laughs> it feels I, like, like, you know. I remember like, my brother rented this shit game called Yo Noid for the NES and it had <laughs> levels like that in it where you had to like fly around your stupid air like copter and we died constantly. The first we game I ever played game. like that was called Copter. Mm-hmm. It was called Copter, and I remember being at work at Best Buy and finding out how to get to the Mozilla browser and playing Copter while I was at work. So all appliances playing Copter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how long ago that that game came out. So like yeah, that's the, it's 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 like that type of game. But apparently a, a bunch of people are uh, enamored with it right now. I just really? I just want to say that Forbes.com, uh, Paul Tassi had a great takedown of Flappy Bird. Uh, I read that earlier and enjoyed that. Uh, oh, a takedown about it? Yeah, he he, well, he 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 just tore the. I mean, he tore it apart. As, well, not so not so much the game. I mean, the game is fairly minimalist in what it is, so it's not like there's much to tear apart there. But just that style of of very simple, um, you know, simple quick games that you can kind of blow through real quickly. I and mean, he just just he reamed it pretty well. Hmm. No, whatever. They're the big thing for the casuals now is just whatever turd we've been playing for twenty years is repackaged. Throw a bird or an asshole on it or something, and repackage it, and you know maybe the public will go for it. It seems we we tend to alternate between being enthralled with a like three like a three gem matching game, and then we get a, a little flying bird game. And then yeah. we get like a farm game, and then we go back to the three gem matching game, and now we're on the bird game. So mm. whatever comes next is going to be a 
farm game. It called it. See in the future here. Yep. Future's yeah. not RoboCop. Future's farming. <laughs> <laughs> Robo farmer. Uh, let's see. Oh, let's, let's see what's coming. Um, the Wolf Among Us episode two is coming. Dust Force for uh, actually, it just came out. Dust Force for the Vita and uh, on, on PSN. Which Dust Force? You guys ever play that? No. That's actually it's a pretty cool game. Pretty cool game. It makes cleaning seem cool, but in reality, it's not. Just to keep that at bay. I know my apartment is dirty, and I'm not going to have anywhere near as much fun as playing a video game when I clean it. Exactly. Um, Lightning Returns, uh, the next Final Fantasy Thirteen comes out. I played the demo for that. That seems like a strange one. It says like turn based. It's like an action RPG where you have like a a meter that fills up for attacks you can do. Yeah, you can pretty pretty poly dress up with lightning because it's a girl and that's what you do in RPGs where the girl is the lead character. Wait, so it's not a it's not turn based anymore? No, you're walking around stabbing folk. See, now I can get behind that, but since mm-hmm. I haven't played the first two, I'd have I do not I I wouldn't be interested in getting this one. Oh, I didn't have the sweetest clue what was going on. No clue. Yeah, like, you're two games into a series, like... This is a hell of a time to change the gameplay style. Yeah, it is. It really is. Like, why don't they just come out with, like, the... Was it Final Fantasy 15 at this point? Sure. It it, it was (laughs) Versus 13 before, and now it's Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, Final Fantasy 48, whatever. Yeah, Yeah, just come up with Final Fantasy 15 at this point. We gotta do that. Or, I don't know, just give me fucking Kingdom Hearts 3 and we'll call it even, okay? We'll just all go home happy. Yep, so. um, But uh, let's see what's going on. Castlevania toward the end of the month and Thief, so. Buying me some Castlevania. It better be good. I'm playing as Dracula. I'm pretty sure, you know, we'll uh, we'll talk about those a little later this month, so. Oh, definitely. I... Have a soft spot for Castlevania. Mm. Let's play it. Okay, but yeah, that's gonna wrap us up. That is gonna wrap us up. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud, which is SoundCloud.com/slash Smash Those Buttons. We are on uh, Twitter, which is Twitter.com/slash MTB Site. Facebook.com/slash Smash Those Buttons. YouTube.com/slash Smash Those Buttons. We're on iTunes. Which is going to be fixed soon, so actually don't even go to iTunes right now. Three weeks, folks. Three weeks, <laughs> and it'll be it'll be right as rain. And uh, right now you can you can go to Stitcher, Smart Radio, uh, and stream on your Android and iOS devices as well. So, um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Something's going on because like a voice just started like talking. Here we go. Yeah, this is on it. Yeah, this is why you, you you can't browse the internet and do a podcast at the same time. I'm like, yo, who was talking to me? It's the voices <laughs> again. Sorry about that. But yeah, it's like, cop. As, <laughs> as always, thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. Have a great weekend. New Robocop looks like a plastic Dark Knight action figure and then somebody's fan fiction movie about it. Fuck. Good, goodbye, Joel. Goodbye. Goodbye.